0: Hello, this is Rev Brad. Today's From the Touchline podcast is a little bit longer. I'm joined by Soccer Chaplains United Director of Counseling, Brooke Ewart. This is a recorded conversation that we had, and we're talking about chaplaincy and counseling. I think it's tremendously important, especially this time of year. During the holiday season, it can be really difficult for many people, and for many different reasons. So, whether you're an athlete, a coach, an executive, or a staff member, a fan even, if there's a way that we can support you, please reach out to us. That's part of what Soccer Chaplains United is about, offering our chaplaincy and counseling services to support you, your family, wherever you are during this time in this season. So thanks for listening today.
1: Just a little off foot thinking he's going to go far post Not strong enough with his right hand Whips that one in Far post, almost made him in, and they have He has the hat-trick The second in his career The third of the night The hat-trick hero Talked about, you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure To the corner Goes towards the near post And you're on the angle, and what a goal What a goal
0: Welcome. Today we want to talk about chaplaincy and counseling in sport, and a little bit of this comes from a presentation uh, that was done uh, at Calvin University in October 2019. In with me in studio is Volunteer Director of Counseling for Soccer Chaplains United, Brooke Ewert. Brooke? Hi, how are you? Brooke, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and, uh, and talk a little bit about your role and what you do with Soccer Chaplains United and with the work we do.
1: So my name is Brooke Ewert. I also um, am the founder of Rocky Mountain Sports Counseling Center. Um, Brad and I um, are, I would say one of our biggest goals is to provide counseling for athletes who um, maybe are getting looked over um, or maybe an athlete who um, isn't being recognized that they actually have some mental health issues going on. So um, trying to identify those uh, with chaplains and helping them to recognize the symptoms of athletes uh, who are having some mental health situations that maybe they're maybe not even aware of as well.
0: Now, sometimes people say, hey, Rev, I mean, you guys are soccer chaplains united. What's counseling got to do with any of this? Let me explain. So um, one of the values that we have is as chaplains is to see people as whole persons, as whole beings, really. And so part of that includes not just the spiritual, but the emotional and the mental well-being of a person. And there are some ways that a pastor or a chaplain can address or help those kinds of things. But there's certain uh, moments and places where it might be more appropriate or more helpful for someone who's like a counselor trained, like you are, Brooke, Mm -hmm with some of those different interventions and skills that can get more at, I would say, the heart of the issue, but it's really the mind of the right. issue sometimes or the emotion behind the issue, and and can be with a, a person in a different kind of relationship than a chaplain might normally have. So so today, what we want to talk a little bit about today is I want to share a little bit, how did this transpire? How did it happen for Soccer Chaplains United? How did we come to bring counseling into the mix and and sort of what's gone on from there now most of you know that I've been the volunteer chaplain with Colorado Rapids of Major League Soccer for some 18 seasons Uh, before that I worked for the club in the PR department before going to seminary and I've spent some time as a hospice chaplain I worked in a large uh, major church in the Denver metro area and uh, and now the work that I do is is growing and building up Soccer Chaplains United and you know some of the values that that have come as as we've as we've grown as we've uh, worked through this is as I mentioned the sense of holistic care around the people in sport so that can be the athletes uh, it's also the coaches it's the staff it's the family members sometimes even the fans of the game. Uh, all of these folks are within the scope of what we want to try and do and, and who we want to try care, to care for. Um, we utilize as chaplains a pastoral care framework. So there's a lot of times that we're there in crisis moments, but we're also there in celebration moments too, like a, a birth or a wedding. And we officiate those things. We celebrate, we celebrate wins and trophies. And, and we're there in the hard times too as chaplains. And so um, the other part to that is we've developed a team approach. Uh, a lot of times in sports ministry, you can see some lone rangers or individuals that kind of just are out there and they're supporting. But um, for me, the story of of how this came about and having a team approach came as I was sitting across from an athlete one day, and we were sitting in an uh, IHOP restaurant, International House of Pancakes. And I remember Brooke. He he sat there and he told me he goes, "Rev, do you see this plate of pancakes? I'm gonna eat this." And then I'm gonna go purge to keep weight for the team. And Brooke, I remember just feeling so um, just so helpless, maybe even in a moment. I I knew enough to know that I wasn't prepared or qualified to do this. And this really began the journey for us of linking and adding counseling uh into the work that we do. And so um, fast forward a few years, we we had uh, an initial counselor that was on our team and part of what we were doing, and we sought to grow that. And we started to realize there's there's some people that aren't being cared for, and uh, some of that included the wives, girlfriends, the partners of the athletes and coaches, the family members, and so enter in Brooke Ewart. <laughs>
1: Well, so the interesting thing is, just to kind of back up just a little bit into my story, um, I feel like God really started preparing me, actually in high school, just trying to figure out what was the difference between uh, maybe an elite athlete versus just an athlete who just so happened to play a sport, and I felt like God was really asking me, like, what's really different? Um, I went to college, took some. I took a sports psychology class, just absolutely loved it, got to work with athletes. I got to see what the research side was like. And then God put a huge hold on all of that. Um, I got married. We had four kids. Uh, we raised uh, them until I had so it was a stay-at-home mom until all of them went to school.
0: Life got in the way? Are you kidding? Life <laughs> got in
1: the way. <laughs> but um, at that point, I felt like God really spoke to me in a very clear way and said, I need you to go back to school right now. Um, so, uh, very quickly in obedience, uh, went, uh, to Denver seminary and told them, this is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in helping athletes on their mental health side. And it was really kind of one of those, like, Look at me thinking, uh, what are you talking about? Because really at the time, even just five, six, seven years ago, there really wasn't much work being done with athletes on the mental health side. There was the performance side, but not the mental health. And I think now, you know, now coming back full circle, it's definitely started to come to wow, wow athletes have mental health issues and how do we address those and you know the cool thing is is that god is opening doors that i never in a million years would have thought possible and even you know just working with the colorado rapids the soccer team and the developmental academy the young ones um we're already seeing that there's a need um in helping them to realize that the need is there for them and we there's um people to come alongside of them and say we're here we're here to help
0: Brooke, for a moment, would you tell us the difference between, uh, you kind of touched on this this word, this language around sports psychology. What's the difference, though, between a counselor like yourself Mm -hmm. in sport and a sports psychologist or a... A performance expert or or whatever the language Mm -hmm. may be. What's the difference?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a funny story. So I've actually tried to explain this to athletes before. And I always feel like I get myself into trouble. And I actually explained it to an athlete once. And she said, I'm so confused. And I said, me too. Because the gray line is so, so (laughs) small. But the best way I would say is a sports psychologist is much more on performance. They are looking to make the athlete better on the field through drills or through some sort of mental performance technique. I'm not really as concerned about their performance because I feel like the root of most of their issues is some t- is somehow some sort of mental health issue, where it's anxiety or depression. If you have someone that's anxious or depressed, they're not going to be performing well. So you've kind of got to get to the root of it um, and figure out what's actually going on. So I think just to kind of narrow it down as best as I could, I would say, the actual performance versus the actual mental health is the best way to delineate between the two.
0: Yeah, I wonder, and I almost feel like maybe that's a little bit of common ground that Mm. sometimes the chaplain and counselor might have is that for myself as a chaplain, I know that God's going to work through the wins and the losses, sometimes more so through the losses, more so through the trials and tragedies of the game than through the wins and successes. Sometimes when we win where we're doing so well, we don't need God. We don't need right. others. We don't need faith. We don't need to address the underlying issues that may be present in our lives. And so I wonder if that's a little bit of common ground that we might share. Hmm. Um, I do know this, you know, uh, if you're listening and you're an athlete, you know, again, we, we, we wouldn't kind of share like some of these things based on your framework. So So take the lens of where you're at in the game right now. If you're an athlete, a coach an executive listening to the podcast if you're a up and coming player or a parent uh whatever your role whatever your your kind of station around the game um you know that there's some things we want to kind of teach and and kind of coach and and talk about in this podcast including the difference between a chaplain and a counselor so so let me get into a few of the things from the chaplain side um you know in terms of chaplaincy uh, most of the chaplains with soccer chaplains united are Ordained, seminary trained, uh, they've got continuing ed. They they tend to be uh, working or serving in another capacity outside of Soccer Chaplains United. So they've they've got accountability and skill sets and other things that make them just really wonderful to work with and and really attuned into people. Um, but the chaplain has a few differences from a counselor in that usually our training has been more along the lines of pastoral counseling rather than clinical counseling. And I'll let Brooke talk about some of those unique uh, things and those differences. Um, as a chaplain, I would say some of my experience and background is not into, you know, when that, when that athlete told me that they had an eating disorder, or he didn't say eating disorder, but I knew eating disorder, uh, I hadn't been trained in how to properly address those things, I knew enough to maybe make a referral. I knew I need to get this person to someone else who can help. But I myself had not been trained in how to provide good, healthy interactions and interventions for that person. So probably good that I knew my boundaries, probably good to, uh, um, you know, get that person into the right place, the right relationship. Um, But some other things that kind of are a challenge for the chaplain at times is we have shifting boundaries. Uh, A different head coach could come in. A different uh, management or ownership group could come in. And now all of a sudden, uh, the spaces where the chaplain's been free to access uh, people and spend time and and, uh, create moments and movements, maybe those things have changed. So that can be a little bit of a challenge. Also, too, I've I've just encountered people sometimes that have religious superstition. And so uh, for whatever reasons, um, maybe they need their own... um, person around, or or they've got their own things, and, and they may have some feelings about counseling that kind of set them off to that. Um, I've also seen, too, sometimes uh, poor theology, you know, people that uh, come in and they think, well, I've got to say the right prayers, and I've got to do the right things in order to achieve something. And so all these things kind of become a little bit of a barrier for the chaplain. And and the last one that, that I want to just touch on real quick, Brooke, before you jump in, is... Um, Sometimes when I make a referral, I I have a little bit of referral remorse because I'm like I'm handing this relationship this person that I've walked <laughs> with into someone else to care for. Oh no, I'm not superman. I'm not, you know, I've got to lay the messiah complex to the mm-hmm. side and I'm not going to walk with them any longer or in the same way or as deeply into this issue as maybe a counselor would and Sometimes I, I I kind of, you know, I want to hold on. I mm-hmm. want to hold tight. I, a lot of my colleagues say my guys all the time or my people, my girls, you know, they, they use that language in a possessive sense. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, man, let me be careful because I don't want to hold on too tightly to this mm-hmm. role, to the thing that I'm doing to the detriment of the person I'm really trying to serve.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll, just from there, I'll just go ahead and talk about the challenges for the counselor, and even you know, I honestly cannot be with the athletes all the time. A very, It'd be very odd for me to be following them around and also really a little creepy um, <laughs> because they don't want me on the field. What are you saying um, about chaplains? Are we <laughs> creepy? <laughs> Maybe. No, you guys are wonderful. You're in the spaces that I just cannot be at all, um, and those quiet at moments when the athlete's going to reveal probably something that's going on that um, is really bothering them. Um, and I think, you know, establishing credibility for me, it's, it would be really difficult for me just to walk into a front office of any professional team or college and say, hey, this is what I do. They're probably going to need someone that Either has faith in me or has seen me practice or has seen the results of the athletes that I've worked with to give me a little bit of credibility in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, the results speak for themselves moving forward. Um, you know, faith for me is a big piece of uh, counseling, but, you know, I have athletes who are not believers at all. Um, so, you know, that part just gets left at the door, um, which is difficult. But, you know, honestly, I feel like God brings the people that he wants to me. And, you know, sometimes that'll come back through um, in a different conversation. Um, you know, resources, you know, is always an interesting thing for me. I don't have a Um, this, you know, ability to do a sliding scale for every single person that walks the door. So I have to be very selective with that, but also again, you know, God is bringing these people to me. So how do I do that in a very healthy way? Um, and then, you know, one of the biggest challenges right now is there are just not that many sports counselors out there. So there's a very small, uh, referral, list of people that we can give athletes off to that we trust. Um, and then, you know, the reverse referral going back to Brad's last point, when he was talking about the challenges of chaplaincy, Um, you know, now ethically, I am not allowed to do a reverse referral, but how do I do that in a healthy way? If there's a disclosure statement where there's someone that really is struggling with faith, how do I pass them back gently to Brad without, um, breaking confidentiality?
0: Yeah, those are those are all certainly things that we've we're working through that we're trying to learn about and and get through. Um Brooke, I I wonder do you feel like sometimes um the the athletes maybe that you've seen that they feel like they've been dumped on you or dumped like, like what, are there other challenges just around even getting into that space where they'll come meet with you?
1: Mhm. Yeah. You know what? I honestly feel like, and I think we've talked about this. The biggest thing is, you know, getting these athletes in the barrier to get them in is huge. Um, but I think if there's a really good link between the chaplain and the counselor or, a parent and the counselor, or a wife and the counselor, there tends to be a really good transition uh, from one to the next. Um, they tend to trust. Again, it goes back to the credibility. If someone has faith that you can work with the athlete, the athlete always tends to follow along very closely, and the trust comes very quickly.
0: Yeah. Well, some of the things that we've had to work through and learn, we we've mentioned a little bit, but. In terms of linking chaplaincy and counseling, uh, we, we want to kind of dive into some of those things as well and i I would just say, if you're an athlete and you've never experienced um, counseling, uh, there's a there's an easy way to do that. There's an easy way to engage and uh, and we'll have some contact information in the in the podcast liner notes that you can reach out to Brooke or myself and we can help. Help you find the resources for wherever you're at, Um, and again, we're developing those resources. We're developing what does it look like to, for a chaplain and a counselor to be on a team. I think one of the best models that I've seen in my time comes out of the interdisciplinary model, which comes out of the healthcare system, where um, you know we look at um, it's called patient-centered care. Uh, We might say athlete-centered care, and and we might include the, the we might expand that to say coaches. Family staff, whatever it is, but when we look at the key relationships around a person, uh, we want to have uh, a chaplain who can deal with spiritual religious uh, needs, uh, a counselor that can deal with um, emotional mental health needs and well being needs, and and there could be other uh, relationships that are needed as well too. Um, you think about at least in the healthcare model, you've got you've got doctors, CNAs, you have social workers. Um, you have financial aid specialists. You, you have all these people that kind of come around someone to help them flourish and grow. And so in a similar way, we're kind of building out those kinds of things. But but that takes a team and it takes teamwork. And some of the things that that have been really difficult at times has been even role distinction, for mm-hmm. example. Brooke, yeah. do you want to say more about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think who has what role and how does that uh, come across uh, to each of the athletes? I think, too, of, okay, who's got this? And I think, too, even just going to the role distinction is the the handing off. Um, how do we hand off in a really good way so that the athlete knows it, that we um, trust the next person that they're being handed off to? There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes for us with that. We are never just handing off just a handoff. Um, we are thinking through it, praying through it, trying to figure out if this is a good match. What yeah. do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think those are, uh, those are challenges is how do we make those handoffs? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the things that, that affects that is the transient nature of the game. And you know, here we're talking football, we're talking soccer, very transient. Uh, you know, If I had a dollar for every time Jose Mourinho's moved on to a different coaching of a team, (laughs) I'd be wealthy. Um, So would many other people. But um, you see sometimes this transient nature within the game where uh, athletes, coaches, staff are constantly on the move. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard to establish and develop trust for one, Mm -hmm. but then a caregiving relationship, whether that's the chaplain or the counselor the transient nature of the game really has an impact.
1: Yeah. And I think we've seen that over the last few years of making sure that as someone does transition to a new community, that we either have people that we already know that we hand them off to, again, kind of back to that handoff word, um, or we have already done a lot of work uh, with referrals. And I think, you know, just kind of making sure we get this phrase in is the stigma of sports is just, you know, or the stigma with counseling and sports is just still very big. Uh, We hear a lot of athletes say, Oh, I don't, I don't need help. I'm fine. And then, you know, they're just not doing okay. And making sure that, that we actually have, um, have people in front of them who are telling their story like this is something that really um, helped me Um, even if it's just one person on on every club that we work with that can say counseling helped and you know we call them it's our special phrase of their torchbearers they're shining the light in the darkness where they think they're all alone and isolated
0: yeah and and perhaps there's no better advocate than the person who's been helped and Mm -hmm. received that help And, you know, in the same way that counseling has a stigma, I would say religion in general has a stigma in sport, especially more the global sports like football, um, like uh, hockey, some of those things. But, uh, you know, some of the American sports may have a little bit different feel and take on religious expression in and around the, the club, the locker room, the team. But those stigmas are things that we often have to educate people around. Sometimes it's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just a matter of a, a way that someone's been coached, or it could be a personality thing that, that kind of gets in the way of receiving help, receiving care, yeah. whether from a chaplain or a counselor. Well, uh, Brooke, we're we're running a little long on time or a little short on time, but let's talk about some of the um, areas where we've seen some good things happen in working together. Uh, What are some of those things where where you've enjoyed working together with a chaplain?
1: Yeah, I think for me, the fun thing is, you know, just those handoffs of, hey, I have someone that needs help. What can we, how can we support this person? And the counselor coming in, um, whether it's myself or someone else and saying, let's work through this. Um, Let's figure out how to get you to a healthier place mentally. I think that's been a big thing. Um, Just even thinking through working in the family suite, over the last few years um, and the relationships that have developed with the athletes' wives or their girlfriends or their families, and just to say, hey, we're here for you. Um, Some of those, I mean, Brad and I have kind of laughed over, you know, two or three years, a a time of two or three years of difference, you know, from the second that I walked in to when the referral actually came. Those people are watching, they're listening, and they really – um, want the support um, and knowing that we're there helps so much.
0: Yeah, I've enjoyed working together in some of the educational moments that mm-hmm. we get, whether we're preparing for a conference or doing a parent education, an athlete education. Here we get the chance to talk about what is counseling? Hey, let's acknowledge there's a stigma, but why does that stigma exist? And is it true? Is it right? Is it fair? And do we need to work through those things so that someone can get appropriate help? I enjoy, I enjoy seeing the light come on in mm-hmm. someone's eyes. Um, I always think it's funny too when, when someone, uh, someone says, "Hey, tell so and so hi for me," and it's like, "Oh yeah, we we can't really do that because we're keeping confidentiality here," you know, and and we don't. We, we realize, but we can't realize, we, we know, but we don't know, or we don't know. And then we. it's just kind of a weird <laughs> sort of relationship sometimes.
1: Well, and I think that it always makes me laugh too, because they obviously don't know that we adhere to different ethics and uh, principles that we're not sharing um, the situations between each other, but more of just a hey, um, if you have this person, you know, let's make sure that they're cared for. Um, so we we really do are, we're very mindful about that uh, when we're working with these athletes.
0: Yeah, it feels sometimes a little stilted and awkward, but, but we know that at the end of the day that they have the absolute protection of mm-hmm. confidentiality and privacy uh, that they need mm-hmm. to get the help that they desire, that they need, that sometimes they don't even know about. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're an executive, if you're someone listening, you're in club leadership, I think this um, this helps the bottom line, right? You you want better people. You want well-rounded people. You want people to feel supported and loved and cared for. And they tend to be better employees. They tend to be better in terms of how they interact and, and the sort of uh, things they speak into the ethos of a club culture or, or some of those other elements, mm-hmm. as they receive uh, and feel cared for, uh, it just goes on exponentially, doesn't it, Brooke?
1: Yeah, it really does. And I think another word that maybe we haven't used is the word holistic, and maybe it was used at the very beginning of this podcast, but the, or the, just the phrase holistic, we are just so concerned about the whole person and not just the athlete themselves. We want to see them be well-rounded.
0: So Brooke, um, I'm imagining there's an athlete, there's someone out there listening, and they go, "Oh, maybe it's even a someone who wants to do counseling mm-hmm. uh, in sport." Uh, what are some ways to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can get a hold of me uh, through Rocky Mount Sports Counseling Center, or you can also get through uh, through Soccer Chaplains United. Um, our website. We're all connected through both ways, um, and it would be welcome conversations. Um, We are really excited. If you are actually even interested in working with athletes in sports counseling, we'd love to have a conversation with you there as well.
0: Yeah, we're looking to grow out a network, and uh, that network has no bounds. And, uh, you know, on the chaplain side, I'm always looking to grow chaplains for particular teams and clubs at all levels, and and we're doing the same with counseling. We're growing a network which uh, tends to be more geographically based, but... Um, we, we're exploring things and we're, we're working really hard to pioneer in this field so if you're a student of counseling if you're a student for chaplaincy if you're more interested in this if you're interested in in getting behind this uh, in other ways please reach out to us if you're someone that has influence in an institution or an organization and you say hey we we want this for our soccer team our soccer club our soccer entity whatever that is Uh, please reach out to us as well you've got our contact details will be in the in the liner notes here and thank you guys for listening Um, this is Rev Brad and and Brooke coming to you from the touchline